Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. It is joy. We give glory to God. He alone has made it. The song of victory and joy and escape from prison. ACP Benjamin Agojo acquitted and discharged by the High Court over the charge of plotting a coup in the country. His lawyer wants to sue the state for the more than five-year trial, which has ended with victory in his favor. Meanwhile, six other persons who stood trial with him have been sentenced to death by hanging over those treason charges. We'll tell you everything about that story from the court today, plus reactions across, and also remind you exactly of what happened. Also coming up, Electoral Commission proposes for Ghanaians to vote on November 7. The largest opposition NDC says no. Would the election happen on November 7? As a question we have here on Eyewitness News. And later on the show... Injunction placed on the MPP primaries in the Mampong constituency three days to the major internal election of the party will be understanding what the issues there are. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Business community calls for reduction of proposed 15% VAT on electricity to 5%. That's in 15 minutes from the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a host of affiliate stations. Let me list for you a number of stations that you can tune to if you went outside Accra and want to listen to Eyewitness News. If you go to the Northeast region, tune to Nobia 98.1 FM in Nalirigu. That's the regional capital. If you go to Upper East in Garu, we are live on quality 88.7 FM. In the Northern region, we are in Saboba, on Radio Gaki, 88.3 FM. If you are listening to Eyewitness News in Volta region, this must be Heritage, 107.3 FM in Hohoe, or Freedom, 88.1 FM in Sugakopa. If you are headed for the Ashanti region, look out for Ajinpa, 99.9 FM in Inkawye. In the Bono region, we are on Greener, 95.9 FM in the capital of Suyani. In the Western region, multiple, multiple platforms, including Adrinpa 100.7 FM in Takwa, Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, and Sky Power 93.5 FM in Takradi. The show is also on YouTube, we are on Facebook, we are on citynewsroom.com, and we are interactive on X. The hashtag is citynewsroom, my handle is at umarusanda, or use at city973. Alternatively, go on WhatsApp. And drop a message 0549 986 996. 0549 
0809-286-996. Send your message and the world would hear what you think of the big stories that are coming up. And the big story tonight is that the High Court sitting in Accra, presided over by three judges, has delivered a verdict on a trial that was brought against a number of people uh, who had been arrested and put on trial for allegedly at the time plotting a coup d'etat. They were planning to topple the government. Uh, the key person in that particular trial has since died, that the doctor who owned a hospital somewhere around Alajo in Accra, Dr. Mark Palm. However, the other persons who have been standing trial with him have continued to be going to the court, and today the verdict was delivered. One of them, um, a, a senior member of the police service, ACP Benjamin Agojo, uh, is been freed indeed and um, i'm going to just go to hans and ajiman uh, quickly for a summary of the issues before we bring you the sound bites from the courtroom hans and ajiman is a court correspondent he sat through the judgment or the reading of the judgment today hansen you're welcome to eyewitness news thank you sander remind us again of the history i was just trying to give a quick summary there including uh, dr mark palm what happened in 2019 so in 20 in 2019 in 2019 what we realized was that the hello I'm listening to you Hansen go ahead yeah so in 2019 the, the, the 2019 there was an arrest of some persons at the Citadel Hospital here in Accra at the time the communication that had come out was that these people were seeking to uh, destabilize the country by plotting a coup d'etat. Uh, subsequent to that, uh, prosecution began, uh, basically these 10 persons, in 2019. And at the time, they were standing, uh, they were on trial for treason. However, in 2021, prosecution changed the charge sheet to high treason. Now, high treason, uh, which is, uh, given by Article 3 of the 1992 Constitution, essentially is to the point that anybody who attempts to overthrow a constitutionally elected government or actually overthrows a constitutionally elected government commits the offense of high treason and shall upon conviction be sentenced to suffer death. And so the 10 persons that were arrested were, at the time, and when the trial began, with Dr. McFarm, Dr. McFarm, a medical doctor, owner of the Citadel Hospital, he died in March uh, last year. And so technically was discharged from the case because he couldn't complete his testimony. He was actually uh, under cross-examination or cross-examination was, was ongoing at the time. His cross-examination was not completed when message of his death was uh, communicated to the court. The second accused person in this case is a blacksmith in the person of Dunya Kafui. He, the name that uh, who, he was nicknamed, uh, or the nickname that the group knew him by was Ezo. Then there's Bright Alan Debra Okosu, a fleet manager who uh, during the prosecution's case appeared to be the a person who was running the affairs of Take Action Ghana, the vehicle 
which at the time was alleged to be used to uh, plot the, the coup. And then there was the fourth accused person, Johannes Ziki. He is a civilian employee of the Ghana Armed Forces. He's described to have some technical knowledge when it comes to communication gadgets and the ability to jam communication systems and which they were relying on his expertise to use on the day for the said coup. The fifth accused person was uh, Kenok Gameli. He, as rightly indicated, has been acquitted. Now, mind you, aside uh, Mapam, who died last year, the first three, as I mentioned, uh, have been have been were, were convicted by the court. To talk of the second accused person, the blacksmith, Bright Alandebra, who's opposed the third accused person, who technically was like a secretary to the Take Action Ghana. And then the fourth accused person, Johannes Zippi, who is a civilian employee of the Ghana Armed Forces. Now, the fifth accused person was Kenel Gamali. Kenel Gamali, he was acquitted by the court. The fifth accused person is Warrant Officer Esther Stan Dikuini. She has also been convicted. And then there's Lance Corporal Ali Solomon and Corporal Sylvester Akankiwan, who have all been convicted. And the last person who actually have been acquitted is Corporal Sidu Abubakar. Now, these persons were charged with two counts. One, conspiracy to commit crime to which high treason, and then committing high treason. The court analyzed the role played by each of the six accused persons who have been convicted. So if you take Donya Fafui, the evidence that was led by the prosecution, led by Godfrey Yawadami, was that Donya Fafui, who is a blacksmith, was contracted to make or manufacture guns as well as IEDs for the purpose of undertaking the coup d'etat. The prosecution brought video evidence where Donya Kafui was seen manufacturing uh, items that were later confirmed to be guns and IEDs, which were harmful in nature. The prosecution indicated that Donya Kafui, at every point in time in his dealings with Dr. McPalm uh, at the time, knew that what he was producing was for the purpose of fudging the plot to destabilize the country by causing coup d'etat. The Donya Kafui in his defense had indicated that even though in a caution statement he had admitted to some of the issues that have been raised by the prosecution, he at the time didn't understand what was really happening because the communication was ongoing in Chi and he didn't understand Chi. The court didn't agree with this particular a point that Donya Kafui raised. The point also find, found some corroborative evidence to suggest that Donya Kafui, that is a blacksmith, to a large extent uh, committed a crime of conspiracy to commit high treason and also committed high treason. Now, the second person that the court considered was Bright Alan Deborah Ofusu, who was conducting various meetings with various people, convincing people to 
to join the group to undertake this uh, act of, 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 of removing a legitimately elected government. And the case against him was that he also uh, helped in, in putting up a sketch of key installations within the country for which they were going to target at if they had gone ahead with their plot to undertake the coup. And so the court, at a point, after considering the evidence against him and the defense he gave, the court noted that actually he is also guilty. And the court convicted him on both counts one and count two of having committed the crime of conspiracy to commit high treason and high treason. Now, the third person is the fourth accused person. The fourth accused person here is in the person of Johannes Dicke. He's a civilian employee of the Ghana Armed Forces. As a civilian employee of the Ghana Armed Forces, he works with the communications department, and we are told that he has expertise within the space of uh, jamming communication equipment, and so they were supposed to rely on him to jam some communication equipment so that they'll have control of communication activities when they undertake their, 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 their plot. And so the court also, upon considering the evidence leveled against him and also the, uh, the defense he gave, the court came to a conclusion that, yes, he was guilty of conspiracy to commit high treason. But the court was not convinced that he was guilty of committing high treason. So he was convicted only on count one of committing high treason. Now, the fifth accused person, uh, I indicate, has been acquitted. And so we move straight to the fifth accused person, Warrant Officer Esther Sandikwini. Uh, the accusation against her is that she was in charge of mobilizing uh, junior officers of the Ghana Armed Forces. Uh, according to prosecution, the group had agreed to pay every single officer who joined the, the, the plan 50000 each to undertake this activity. She's also, evidence was also presented in court where at certain points in time, she, is, she, she was said to have indicated that uh, the group ought to look at how they were going to deal with the president, uh, that is Nana Kufuado, and that they had to look at ways of eliminating him and holding him hostage. Now, she denied these allegations and indicated at that particular meeting, she was that was the only meeting she actually attended. Now, the course in the analysis of the evidence available to, to it realized that there were two sets of evidence, a video evidence and an audio recording. Now, the video recording was not the full complement of what had happened. And as a result, they couldn't capture the exact words, as I have indicated, where she was alleged to have said that the group has to eliminate President Ekufuado, hold him hostage. However, the audio evidence or the audio recording that was submitted to the court gave some clear indications of she saying those words. 
But the court noted that because of the uh, discrepancy in the two recordings and the fact that with the audio recording, they are not able to directly even say who actually uh, was saying what. The court was not going to put much emphasis on that allegation. But what got her was that she had indicated that that was the only meeting she attended. But evidence that was given before court suggested that she attended another meeting. And then this meeting where she was actively engaged in conversations towards the coup, and where she kept asking for the allowance that they had promised to the they had promised to give to the junior officers who joined this plot to out the who joined this plot to out the the the, the president or an, a, a legitimately elected president, and so one of the two Esther. The community, the court noted that even though she actively agreed to act together as the crime of conspiracy requires, she didn't play an active role as compared to A2, the blacksmith, and A3, uh, the, 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 the person who actually, uh, A3, that's like Deborah, who appears to be like a secretary of, of, of a sort. For the group, and so A6 was only convicted on conspiracy to commit crimes with high treason, but she was acquitted on the charge of, of of committing high treason. Now, when it comes to A7, A7 was acquitted. Now, A7, the, the case against A7 was that he actually was at a meeting where some of these discussions were held, but the court, upon analysis of the evidence available to it, noted that prosecution was not able to point to A7 in any of the video evidence that had been admitted before the court. Neither was A7 heard in any of the videos. And it's interesting to note that at the point when the judgment was being read, A7 was the only accused person, to the best of my knowledge, that I visibly saw who was literally praying. After court proceedings, I asked him what he was doing. He said, yes, he knew at that point in time he had to put all his faith in his God. And so he was actually praying. I asked him, and he confirmed that. Now, A7, A8, and A9, basically also uh, junior officers within the same soup of A6, attended meetings, contributed to the idea of uh, causing the coup, and so they were also charged on count six. They were they were charged they were charged on count one or convicted. They were convicted on count one of of conspiracy to commit high treason, but they were not convicted on the count of high treason. And so, Sandra, a summary of the conviction as we have it is that A two, A three, A four were A two and A three were both convicted on count one and count two. That's the conspiracy to commit high treason and then committing high treason. Okay. Thank A4, you. Yes, learn, learn from your hands. A4, A6, A4, A6, A8, A9 were convicted on 
count one, which is the conspiracy to commit high treason, but they were acquitted on the high treason charge. While A5, A7, and A9, A5 being Colonel Gameli, A7 being uh, Corpora Fidu Abu Bakar, and A10 being ACP Benjamin Agojo, were acquitted because prosecution couldn't put... Uh, couldn't prove its case beyond reasonable doubt. Now, Hansen, the other six persons who have been sentenced to death, uh, the assumption is that they will be moved away, and the, those who have been uh, acquitted and discharged, they have gone home, correct? Yes, definitely. Okay. Thank you so much. Hansen Ajiman is our correspondent in the court. Let's speak to Martin Pebu, his lawyer for one of the persons who were standing trial, ACP Dr. Benjamin Agojo, who has actually been acquitted he's joined us on the line uh, counsel you're welcome to eyewitness news it must be a uh, congratulations are in order i believe for you and your client today hello mr Bebu, can you hear me hello sir can you hear me yes great I was, I was saying that i believe congratulations are in order uh you have fought a battle and you have won um what made it for you well, it's because the man was always innocent from day one, but the attorney general just sought to add into the case for their own parochial reasons. And but they was always innocent, but they sought to add in, but there's another side I see. It was just an assault on free speech. There's a man who was complaining that the conditions in Ghana are right for an other spring. And that's the same message the Kufuado preached to come to office. And that's why we voted for him. Because we could see an Arab Spring, which means that look, citizens may rise up against the government because unemployment was high, because people were hungry, people can't feed themselves, rent, electricity, etc. And that's how come we voted for Kufuado. And yet once he came into office, he didn't want anybody to talk about an Arab Spring. So today, you see, it's paid dearly. It's shame on them. When it came to it in the court, what were the issues for determination against your client specifically? Whether or not he was going to uh, topple the government or what he said was a comment that could be deemed as um, uh, treasonable. What, what was the issue? Yes, so number one, they said he gave, he made some contribution towards the coup d'etat. Yes, they couldn't leave evidence to prove it. Two, the uh, attorney general said he wrote a speech, he drafted a speech, for the coup d'etat, sorry, they couldn't find evidence for that. Attorney General said he was part of the planning, plotting of a coup d'etat. That one too, they couldn't uh, leave evidence on it, etc. Those were the things. It was just a sham. It was such a charade. It was so shameful. The Attorney General was miserable in court. That's why I keep saying this case is an assault on free speech. But thank God the judges go to the occasion and they saw that, listen, any citizen who talked about other spring. It's not talking about a coup d'etat. Arab is not a coup d'etat, and today we've been vindicated. So the only charge against your client was the comments that he made. Um, he was not involved in the thick of the plotting that has seen the other six persons going down for? Yes. So let me explain this way. What they sought to say was that, that's why I first said, so let's repeat. They're saying that he helped, he abetted. So the name of the crime they charged him with is abetment of uh, high treason. So you are helping. You know, the high treason is under Article 3, Clause 3B. And then there can be abetment. Abetment means you are helping. Good. Yes, when they went in, they didn't have evidence for it. They were just 
listen, uh, uh, clinging at straws, and all the straws unraveled and left their teddy general naked. So that's why they stayed dearly. The law books were thrown in their face. <laughs> you sound like you are not happy at all that he was even tried. Is that not the procedure of the law? Persons are suspected, they are put on trial, and they are either convicted or acquitted. If your client is acquitted, it simply means that the due process has been followed, and that is the rule of law. But you sound as if he should not have been put on trial at all. Uh, okay, no, that's not it. You know why? Because when Kufado was in the position and he spoke about Ara Spring, nobody tried him. Nobody tried a Kufado for seeing Arab Spring in opposition. So that's it, Umaru. So for you, you you're seeing this as political rather than 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 criminal. Martin, you sound you sound a bit distracted. Let me put my last question and see if you can hear me. Okay. Okay. Uh, yes. I'm saying that you so you seeing this as a political trial rather than a criminal trial. Absolutely, that's why I told you that it was an assault on free speech to guard public officers, not to con complain about Kufadu's misgovernance. The very Arab Spring he complained about, look, I can show you, Maru, I'll send you clips, PCFM, Kufadu was saying, Arab Spring, Arab Spring, and that's the same thing the man was complaining about, that the misgovernance, the high unemployment, the, the, listen, the hunger and everything, citizens will rise against the government, so we need to do something about it, fix it. So if nobody tried the Kufadu in opposition for Arab Spring, why do you try Abuja for Arab Spring? The question on many persons observing the decision today is, what happens to him? He lost his freedom. Was he still in active service in the police? What happens to that? If he was due for promotion, did he get it? How will he be compensated? Under the law, what is the procedure? Is he due for any compensation or because he's a free man, that is it, he walks back into the service? No, he's, he's retiring. So we will look at it. That one of the things is to sue the government for malicious prosecution. We will sue. We are looking at it. When you take somebody through a criminal process without justification, you'll be sued for malicious prosecution. You pay compensation. So we are looking at it. But and that would be if you are able to prove that the person who prosecuted right, you did right, it with malice. Right, 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 that's fine. Let's leave it there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, that's Martin Kwebu. He's lawyer for um, Dr. ACP, Dr. Um, Benjamin Agojo. Uh, in fact, when he came out of the courtroom, he was full of praise to God Almighty. And uh, he was singing as well. Hansen captured that for us. Let's listen. This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Just a quick technical, technical glitch there. Let's listen now to uh, ACP Dr. Benjamin Agojo, who has been acquitted and discharged today by the High Court. Oh, so uh, then you are sure you have ACP Benjamin Agojo, who is coming with his family.
Five years after being accused, the acquittal comes in. It is joy. We give glory to God. He alone has made it. You heard the judgment. And you saw all the rebuttals. I, I don't need to talk again. They knew that it was falsehood. But they continued to perpetuate it. And push it hard. It didn't work. Our God doesn't fail. Now you want to ask what action next. Don't worry. I'll talk to my lawyers. And then we'll talk to the media at the appropriate time. So thank you very much. How does it feel to be free after five years? Well, I've always been free within my heart. I've always been free because I knew how it was going to end. From the beginning, I knew that is how it's going to end today. I didn't know when it was going to end, but I knew how it was going to end. It's like watching a, 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 a movie, a replay with somebody. You know the end, but the person doesn't know. So you people didn't know the end. I knew the end. That's ACP Dr. Benjamin uh, Gojo. Uh, he's been acquitted and discharged in that treason trial uh, that has been standing for some years now. Six other persons, though, have been sentenced to death by hanging. The man who led the charge for the state is Attorney General Godfrey Yeboadamin. He went to court and told the judges to convict these persons. Let's listen to him. He spoke after the judgment was delivered. Clearly. The, um, the difference with the prosecution case with relation to ACP Agoso was quite evident. I mean, because um, he was not on the specific platform by which the accused persons were planning the overthrow of the government. But of course, the evidence that was laid relating to how he tended to disrupt the smooth run of the government by advocates and Arab Spring and all that was quite clear. It's, it's the judgment. Now, in fact, all citizens of the country to read the judgment carefully before making any uh, unfounded comment at all. And Kenneth Gamelier to the difficulty or the challenge that we had was a failure on the part of the prosecution witness to identify him in the video. And that really was quite fundamental. But in terms of acts that really were dishonorable, actually um, deplorable from the perspective of a police officer or a police officer, you can see that was the service of the trial. Yes. Apart from that, uh, Five other police, five soldiers were actually convicted of the offense of treason. And, and for me, that is what is my. So it's very important that even the, these five officers of, of, the, of the Ghana Armed Forces, there had not been any clear evidence of their participation in such an activity, the monitoring of the activities in that regard. God knows what would have happened to this country. So you had the Attorney General Godfrey Yebo Adami there speaking on the, well, the acquittal and also the conviction of uh, some persons who were put on trial. Ten of them put on trial. One person died in the course of the trial. That's Dr. Mark Palm, uh, who owned a hospital somewhere around Alajo in Accra. The nine other persons have been standing trial. Three of them acquitted and discharged today. The other six persons have been sentenced to death by hanging. Uh, and we do know that based on our recent past, uh, no president uh, since Rollins has signed the death penalty. So what typically happens is that these persons may well serve life in prison and not necessarily be sentenced. But we do not know which president will decide to sign that. We don't know if President Akufad will decide to sign that or um, it may be left for future presidents to consider. But suffice it to say that we haven't seen that in more than 30 years in our fourth republic. 
for the Republican dispensation. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM ACP Agojo, though, through his lawyer, serving notice that they will be suing for malicious prosecution, uh, which is a tool that they can deploy in the courts if they're able to prove that the prosecution was deliberately targeted at this person maliciously. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTF. And we have more stories coming up, including the fact that the issue of voting on November 7 instead of December 7 is back again on the front burner. Except that the EC is the one making the proposal now and the NDC is saying no. We'll hear from both parties and also other interested stakeholders in this matter. Plus, the NPP's primary is coming up over the weekend. An injunction has been secured in the Mampong constituency. We'll tell you more. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back. This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We are also around the country on a number of affiliate stations, including uh, stations in the western region, in the northeast region, in the northern region, in the Volta region, and uh, other radio stations that have been bringing us this particular broadcast nationwide. Now, this is an election year, 2024. Since 1992, we've been voting, or we voted on December 7 for every election year, which happens every four years. Now, in the past, there were proposals for the election to be brought to November 7 uh, to help us with the transition process, plus take care of challenges that may arise as a result of a runoff. This time around, and now that failed in 2020, it failed to take place. Now, the Electoral Commission is proposing for November 7 to be the new uh, voting day. And uh, now we are hearing that the NDC, the largest opposition party, is actually kicking against that. Let me just uh, read for you quickly a summary on citynewsroom.com. EC justifies proposal for election date change. The story says um, the Electoral Commission has justified its proposal to change the date for both presidential and parliamentary elections from December 7 to November 7, 2024. The EC stated that the proposal initially put forth by political parties aims to allow sufficient time for the Commission to effectively manage its operations, particularly in the event of a runoff. The proposals were put forward during the Interparty Advisory Committee IPAC meeting held on Monday, January 2020. January 22, 2024. The EC also wants day, election days to be, design, to be designated as national holidays to boost public participation in the electoral process. The Deputy Commissioner of the Electoral Commission, Bosman Asari, said that discussions would continue next week. Here is a quote. The people who attended the IPAC meeting made it very clear that this is something they are in full support of. They are in sync with the EC. But it also requires that they go back and report to their party leadership to hear their views so that when they come to present the official position of their parties, this is something we are ready to meet them next week again for another meeting because we made it clear that this proposal came from you and we think it is right time to implement it. Uh, we, he continues to say, I want to know what you think. If the parties say it's not something they are interested in, the EC doesn't have a problem at all. We are not doing it for ourselves. We are doing it for Ghana's democracy and the political parties. And the parties believe this is something good for our democracy. Now, he was quoted as saying this on Joy FM. Let's hear from the NDC now because we are told that the NDC has um, distanced itself from that or disagreed. Dr. Tanku Rashid Computer is a deputy director of elections at the National Democratic Congress. He's joining us on the line. Uh, Tanku Rashid, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Yeah, 
thank you, Omar. Congratulations on your new job. Um, the NDC um, in the past was in government when this issue of voting on November 7 was mooted, and I believe it was a popular decision then. Why is it unpopular now with your party? Uh, very well. Uh, the situation in 2016 and the situation in 2020, nothing has changed. We haven't seen any dramatic change to warrant the reinventing of the same proposal. Uh, don't forget the proposal was part of uh, the electoral reforms that was muted by political parties in 2016 and was sent to parliament by, by electoral commission for these changes to be effected. And our, our brothers <laughs> from the other side, the MPP, vehemently opposed the proposal in parliament. They even voted against it and said, no way. They, they expelled a lot of reasons why the, the, the November uh, 7th was not feasible. And you and I, I know very well that in November, especially the northern part of the country, rains are still very active where the rivers, the, the, the streams are all full capacity, the roads are bad. And imagine going to hold election in such a period. You are going to cut off a lot of people from participating in the elections. I mean, that, at that time, they had explored all these uh, uh, theories from here and And some other funny things they even said, talking of some spirituality and all that. Well, the whole thing went down. The Electoral Commission had to go with it December 7th. Run down to 2020. So, so, 20, so 2016, your party, which was in power then, agreed with the Electoral Commission for voting to happen on November 7th, correct? It was a proposal, electoral reforms, by all political parties. It wasn't the NDC alone which was push, pushing that. Yeah, so what, we I, what I just want to know is that what I want to know is that, did the NDC, prior to 2016, agree that we should vote on November 7? It, that's what I'm saying. It was appropriate at that time we said we could test it, because that was the first time we were trying to move the December 7th. And that needed a constitutional amendment, because you needed to amend Article 112 in order to pave way for this. And you needed to test majority of, of, of MPs in Parliament to vote for it because it's not an entrenched clause. And yet our brothers voted against it and gave reasons. So we all backed the reasons at that time and said, fine, fair enough. If that is the so, let's continue our December 7th. And that is what we used for 2020. There was no problem, even with all the difficulties the Electoral Commission made us to go through in 2020. We still accepted the December 7th. You all remember what went through there, especially the registration exercise, and then the, the type of thing she's known as the, the statement of pool that was used for the, for the December salon, which was quite different from what was stated in the CI 127. All the all the, we accepted and went ahead with the election. So now, what has changed? As the American will say, if it aren't broken, why, why fix it? But you believed in 2016 that it was broken and you agreed that it should be fixed. It's not that it was broken. We were trying to experiment. That was an experiment we were trying to put across. And that, don't forget, it was a political proposal by all political parties. In fact, it was even coordinated by IE and then went to the Electoral Commission. At IPAC, this was discussed. And our people vehemently, I can still remember, Mr. Obiamwa. And even last Monday, at IPAC meeting, 
he sought to apologize for that. He, he did indicate that they were against it at that time. And I was telling him, that is why we don't see the need for the change as of now. We don't see it because what has changed? What has changed from that time up to now? I, th- I, think, I, think what, I think what has changed should be a question you should be answering because if in 2016 you had no problem with voting on November 7, what has changed now? That's a question actually that you should be yes, answering. Um, that is why we are also asking why are they bringing it back now when they, they, they themselves seriously worked against it, stood against it, so, they voted against it. So why are they now fronting it? So you don't really have a reason for saying no. Your only reason is because the people who said yes are now saying no. Or those who said no, no. were now saying yes. No. So you we, also we, have we, to... We, 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 we have... After, that's why I'm saying that. On that time, when the discussion went on, go and check the hand side. Clearly from both sides. The discussion was very clear. Because at the time the Attorney General came into Parliament in 2016 to discuss the issue, we realized that in November, clearly the rains were still very active. And, and that one actually was a major point of discussion. And that you can't you can hold the elections at a period of that time where the rains are active and roads are bad, and streams and rivers are full, and people have to be transported to across all this. It wasn't feasible. And it was one of the reasons why they, they, they didn't see the day of light in Parliament. And I'm thinking that up till now, that issues are still there. We still have it. And so if our friends are now bringing it back at this time, what, what is the motive behind that? Okay, so what, is the motive? so what is your motive now for saying no? Clearly, we have stated our point and said that for the November 1, we are completely against it. We are not going to back it. We are not going to support it. That November... Proposals they are bringing on TV. In fact, even on Monday at IMAC, we made it very clear to them. So I was surprised when we were, we were, you, you were reading the comment from uh, Dr. Bosman. He said all political parties. No, we told him that that even culminated to the, the next meeting they asked us to come about. We made it very clear that this November thing, we are not going to accept it. Because so, that is not an issue we should be discussing as of now. So when she even coming from DLE, the district assembly election, that shambolic election they just conducted, we thought, 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 and we had to defend some uh, this thing. We even made a point clear to them that they registered their vote. People they registered just from few months ago couldn't find their names in the register during the district assembly election. All these things, baggage you are carrying uh, on your head, plus you are going to even do limited registration this year. We are talking of bringing the election back to November. We are not going to accept this. Now, how how far are you going to go with this, your protest? Because honestly, listening to you, I'm still not convinced as to why you are disagreeing. Uh, you have stated that the challenges with the recently held election. But specifically, what are the points that you are putting forth as being reasons for rejecting November 7? They are not clear to me. The easiest points are clear that one... The, the, one, they said the, it, will, it, will, it will ease the pressure on them in terms in case there's a runoff election. And of course, we also know that our transition period is, uh, is uh, short. Uh, Nigeria has a longer number of months that they wait for before they do their swearing in. The United States, same. We appear to have just one month exactly between the day of the election and the day that we are going to see the inauguration. 
these are the key points that have been raised. What is your counter argument that would be sound Umar, to, Umar, to anyone against? Omar, the same thing that you have just mentioned, that was the reasons given by the Electoral Commission in 2016. No problem. And you were in government and you you were in government and you agreed at the time. So so why are you changing your mind now? That's what I'm not getting. Omar, Omar, you are not still availing your mind to what I told you what happened in Parliament. And that I said when this discussion came up, there was a counter discussion that look, at that time November is full of rains in in fact almost three quarters of the country. So how do you win an election in the rainy season of that nature? Knowing very well that when you do that, you're going to disenfranchise a lot of uh, people. And that was a major point at that point. It was very clear. So you're now so convinced the of, so by the, the so, so you're now convinced by the position then that oh, because of the rains, let's not have elections in November. So that that's your conviction now. That's one of the I'm reasons. I'm saying that, that that's that's one aspect. And you Other agree and you agree with it now. We, and the second did, one? And the second one. We made it very clear that the posturing of the electoral commission in handling electoral processes does not convince us that they need that kind of uh, time to do this kind of work. For instance, I've just given an example of DLE. You and I, you knew, you saw what happened, the way they conducted the elections. This electoral commission, you give them short time like that, move the election from December to November, and then you allow this electoral commission to do the kind of thing they did in this assembly election. Your guess is as good as mine. We pointed it out to them. Secondly, the register okay. that they have just given to us, the 2023 register, they've just given to us, full of mistakes. And it's where it's ugly. Uh, during the assembly election, people went there and they couldn't find their names in the register. We pointed it out to them, the IFAC meeting, on the, on the Monday. And we said, with all these difficulties, and secondly, we also sent comprehensive electoral reforms to the Electoral Commission shortly after the 2020 election. They have not even spoken anything about that uh, proposal we give to them. Then you, you are rather doing cherry picking. What would you say to the okay. transition part that it would delay the transition process if if there were a runoff on on December twenty eighth? Well, we've had several runoffs. In fact, this is not the first time people are thinking of runoff. We even had three runoffs in 20, 2008. You remember the time episode? I do. But we, we managed to add our, our swearing in. All but right, but it, was, it, was, it was hurriedly, hurriedly, hurriedly yeah. done. You yeah. recall that. It, 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 it was okay. Who caused it? it was, that is the dictates of democracy. That is the dictates. And it's, it's, it's pure constitutional. Everybody knew what was going on. And we went by it. The other runoff we had in 2000 elections, it didn't affect our, our swearing in of President Kufo. So yes, things, so for you, so for you, things should, things, things should remain the way they are. Things should remain the way they are. IPAC but is just, me, IPAC is just advisory. Um, the EC can decide to push this through, no? Ah, well, or the when EC they come to Parliament, you will stop the, them. The EC knew the importance of our inputs into what they are doing. So when we, when they were trying to push it through at IPAC. And we stop them, then they realize that this is a major political party, and therefore they must give us additional one week to go and confide with our leadership. And thank God our leadership stood by what we did at Ireland on Monday, and we are going back on Monday 29th to present our comprehensive report to them that 
we are not going to back them with the November issue. Very well. Because if it is an issue of faith-based issues, we are open for discussion. That one, they are, yes, we are a political party that is open for discussion on on, on issue of day in December. Fine. We are, we are open for discussion, but we are not going to accept anything of November. Very well. Very well. Thank you so much uh, for your time. That's uh, Dr. Tanku Rashid, computer. He's Deputy Director of Elections of the National Democratic Congress. Now, the issue of voting on November 7 is not new. Uh, it has been mooted a number of times in the past and it has failed. The earliest one was in 2016, July 21, 2016. The story published by then ctfmonline.com, now citynewsroom.com, says... Parliament rejects November 7 election date. Uh, and we'll read that story for us, uh, just to take us down memory lane. Parliament has rejected the passage of the Constitutional Amendment Bill 2016, which was seeking to change the date for holding Ghana's election from December 7 to the first Monday of November in election years. Now, the bill could not garner the 184 votes needed for its passage. Out of the 275 members of parliament, 125 members of the parliament voted for the November 7 date, whilst 95 voted against it, with 45 being absent from the House. Announcing the results of Thursday's secret balloting, the Speaker of Parliament, Edward Duajaho, said the results of the secret ballots are as follows. The eyes, 125. Nose, 95. Honourable Members, Article 291, Clause 3, requires that Parliament needs at least the votes of two-thirds of all Members of Parliament to approve the bill at the second reading stage, and that two-thirds is 184, because the two-thirds of 275 is 183.333. Therefore, the Constitution Amendment Bill 2016 is rejected. At the second reading, uh, the AG was in Parliament to push for the bill's passage. Before voting uh, today, that was Thursday, the Attorney General and Minister of Justice Marietta Brewer Pierpong made an attempt to canvass support for the passage of the bill. The AG on the floor of Parliament contended that changing the dates will ease the stress in government's transition by providing ample time. But the minority spokesperson on constitutional, legal and parliamentary affairs, Joe Osei-Wusu, cast doubts over the preparedness of the Electoral Commission. He argued that the electoral calendar is tight and may cause problems if the EC still wants to run the election in November. He further cited delays in the procurement of election materials and training of election officers as some of the many reasons why the polls on the new date might not be feasible. Currently, the date set aside in respect of the conduct of both presidential and parliamentary elections in the country is December 7, while the swearing-in of the elected president is January 7 of the following year. However, concerns have been raised that the one-month period for the transition of one government to another is insufficient for a smooth transition, especially in instances of a runoff, as was the case in the years 2000 and 2008. In the light of the apparent weakness in the electoral system and following the election petition in 2012, the Electoral Reform Committee was established on January 23, 2015 to propose reforms to the country's electoral system. The committee comprised representatives of the EC. So what you are listening to is being read for you now, but it happened July 2016. At the time, like you heard, Attorney General from the NDC government 
Marietta Brewer Pierpon appeared before the House of Parliament, convincing MPs to vote and agree for the voting to be done in, um, in November. It should be on November 7 or the first term. Yeah, the f in November 7. That was um, rejected by the NPP then being in opposition. And today, the NPP is in government. The Electoral Commission is proposing for the voting to happen November 7. The NDC says, Bidi. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. When we return, we'll bring you the latest in the world of business. And then on Point Blank, we'll be focusing on John Muhammad's campaign in the Ashanti region where he's explaining to the people why the 24-hour economy proposal would work. And of course, in the Ashanti region again, the MPP's primaries arrested in the Mampong constituency. But before business news, Eno has one story for us. The inaugural National Invitational Students Athletics Championship is set to showcase Ghana's emerging track and field talent at the recently upgraded University of Ghana Sports Stadium. This venue, slated to host events during the upcoming African Games in March, is in its final phase of refurbishment. Anticipating the Ghana Athletics City TV collaboration, Bawa Fuseini, president of Ghana Athletics, assures that the stadium will be fully operational by February, ready to welcome participants for the competition. Uh, it fits in very, very well and is going to be the cornerstone for uh, our foundation in building a very formidable national team for the African Games and beyond. Because school sports is huge. Uh, you remember we want to have a similar program like the one they have in Jamaica and the one they have in the U.S. called the conference. The conference is the cream, the cream of all. We apologize for the wrong insert, but we will bring you the insert in our subsequent bulletins. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News brought to you by GCB Bank PLC. GCB Personal Loan. Make that big move and dream a reality. My name is Innocent. Let's settle for the details. The Ghana Union of Traders Association has opposed the proposed 15% VAT on electricity for household consumption above the lifeline, suggesting a 5% instead. According to Guta, the 15% rate is a disincentive that could impede business growth and stifle revenue. Speaking at the GRA Custom Experience Conference titled Building a Growth-Friendly Tax Environment in Accra, President of Guta, Dr. Joseph, are being called for an immediate review of the tax before its implementation. Normally, they think that when they increase more taxes, um, um, they, they are going to increase the uh, revenue. But... Uh, on the contrary, when taxes are so high, it tends to um, decrease um, the tax enhancement. And so they have to notice that. So uh, much as they want to add something to the um, electricity um, charges in terms of VAT, I think they can also be unique. In the, um, 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 the, they, they have to be uh, very... Um, um, they, they have to um, uh, uh, they have to be very innovative in the, uh, how to go about it by reducing 
um, the rate to about maybe five percent so that uh, they can have it at the same time where businesses can also thrive um, so um, when you are doing um, economics you put um, things on the scale and evaluate it well you cannot say that we just want um, revenue to the detriment of productivity of uh, the nation you heard President of Ghouta, Dr. Joseph Obing, speaking there. Former President John Dramani Mahama has highlighted the need for responsible utilization of the recently released second tranche of cash from the International Monetary Fund. This comes a few hours after the Bank of Ghana's account was credited with a $600 million. In a statement, the former president also called on the government to abort plans to charge VAT on electricity consumption. Here excerpts. I support organized labor's call on the government to stop the value-added tax imposed on electricity. The implementation of VAT on electricity consumption would further burden Ghanaians who are already suffering from economic hardship. The move would increase tariffs by nearly 21% and have a ripple effect on the prices of goods, services and transport fares. The government must reverse its decision and provide relief to Ghanaians. There is a need for responsible utilization of the recently released 600 million US dollars by the International Monetary Fund. The government must exercise caution. You heard excerpts of a statement by former President John Dramani Mahama on the utilization of IMF cash and the VAT on electricity. Stakeholders within the local rice production value chain are intensifying calls for the restriction of the importation of grains. About 60% of rice in the country is imported. Between 2007 and 2015 alone, the amount spent on imported rice rose from 151 million US dollars to 1.2 billion US dollars per annum. The local rice growers and millers lament that for struggling economies such as Ghana, the overdependence of imported rice is worrisome and plays a major role in the current economic crisis. Yao Edupoku is the chairman of the competitive Africa Rice Platform, and he tells City Business News that the government must cut down importation of commodities such as rice and rather boost local production. I believe absolutely that that is last. Absolutely, after we are easy to get the imported rice into the city, yeah, we are easy. It is very easy and convenient to bring in the imported rice for government and for the citizens. So nobody thinks about the economic forum. The jobs that we are taking from our own community, the hard characteristics that we do not have, but we have to strengthen on the table for the Indians to bring the milk rice. Once you go to the market and rice is there, Everybody gave a sigh of relief and we are all okay with it. Forgetting that we are taking hundreds of thousands of jobs from our own citizens. This is what is happening. It's a pathetic situation, but nobody seems to care. It has to be enforced like 10 years ago. But I understand that we are not strong enough as a nation, economically, to fight the power that we So we still want the another new government going to parliament and being rejected. He was castling, he was, because he had missed and he had into the situation and realized that this is what should have been. 
Yao Edupoku is the chairman of the Competitive Africa Rice Platform. Now, the Chamber of Construction Industry is urging government to introduce measures to regulate the bitumen industry and take steps to guard against profiteering. The concern comes after the NPA announced the commencement of the regulation of the importation, storage, processing and marketing of bitumen in the country effective January 2024. The chamber identified the possibility of industry players importing inferior bituminous products to sell at outrageous prices. In an interview with City Business News, the chief executive officer for the chamber, Emmanuel Cherry, urged the authority to seal all loopholes. We need to subject those particular products into proper testing. At times, they bring the original product for testing. It goes through and approved. But the subsequent importation to the country, how do we follow? That's where the problem is. So most of them, they go for the fine ones for testing, which is quite expensive. But after the approval has been given, you are having the license to import and what have you, then they now go to cut corners, thinking of the profiteering. Their mind is about to make profit, not about the good and the services of the country or the people within where that product will be used at. So that is where the challenge is. So therefore, the authorities call is wrapped. I believe we are in 100% support with that. Emmanuel Cherry is the Chief Executive Officer for the Chamber of Construction Industry. Now, Deputy Ambassador for the Federal Republic of Germany to Ghana, Her Excellency Sivine Johnson, is urging the government to contemplate reducing the minimum capital threshold for foreign businesses. She believes this adjustment will elevate Ghana's status as a prime investment destination in the sub-region. Her remarks were made during the Ghana Mutual Prosperity Partnerships Roundtable Framework for discussion with German businesses in Ghana. In Germany, the economic backbone are really small and medium-sized companies. They are the hidden champions economy. And for them, it is quite a high threshold to put up half a million or maybe even a million dollars of investment to make the move to Ghana. It's often uncharted waters for smaller companies from Germany, and they prefer to start small, small. So to foster investment from Germany, it would really help significantly to start with smaller investments and then have organic and natural growth here in Ghana. We have had interactions with quite a few SMEs in Germany that are considering to come to Ghana, but the minimum threshold of investment does pose an obstacle and really causes them a little bit of a headache. Her Excellency Sylvain Johnson is the Deputy Ambassador for the Federal Republic of Germany to Ghana. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. The Business News on Eyewitness News is brought to you by GCB Bank PLC. GCB Personal Loan, make that big move and dream a reality. My name is Eno Safo. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
This is Prime Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandama. Tonight on Prime Blank, two issues. Uh, John Mahama, the former president and NDC flag bearer, is in the Ashanti region, explaining to the people why the 24-hour economy is the way to go. We'll hear from him. But before then, parliamentary primaries in the Asante Mampong constituency of the Ashanti region have been suspended as the NPP primaries after some 35 disgruntled party members obtained an injunction on the exercise. Mind you, the primaries were supposed to come off this Saturday, 27th January 2024. One of the persons leading the group that went to court is Emmanuel J. Sefa. He is joining us on the line. Emmanuel, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, sir. First of all, what's your locals? What's your interest in, in, in Mampong? Um, if you ask me uh, what is my locus or what is my interest, um, honestly, um, anybody who seeks to join any political party has an interest. And our interest is that um, we want to make sure that the MPP party in Asante Mampo becomes one of the best parties in Asante Mampo. But um, it has been a norm in Asante Mampo that uh, anybody who gets the power or anybody who is being voted into power to become an uh, an, uh, 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 constituency officer thinks that the party is for him or her, for that matter. He he do things just as he or she likes. And this is what some of us in Asante Mampong have time and again have complained that some of the things they are doing over here it's either here or there, and for that matter, the injunction. Honestly, we have suffered the injunction some time past, and we have battled with the, 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 the court case for some time now. We started the court case somewhere back to uh, 2022, and the court denied us last year. And for that matter, we still see that what the court said, or the High Court of Mampong said, no? We don't. We, we seem to have a different idea about the court uh, ruling, and for that matter, we proceeded the matter to appeals court in Kumasi, and that is where we have secured an injunction on the election because we feel that some of our people were denied forms when when the time came for us to pick a form, and the, the simple rule was that um, because you didn't vote for my preferred candidate. And for that matter, if I give you the form, it will not be possible. And a good many of the people, over over 353 people were denied completely incumbent because they voted for Honorable uh, Adenimu and Honorable Benjamin or Engineer Benjamin Atta. And all those people who voted for these candidates were denied completely because uh, they did not uh, uh, vote for their preferred candidate. That is honorable Kofusa for Amplicum. And we have battled this uh, case for, for years now. And when the time was due for the ruling to come, the, 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 the issues that engulfed the ruling prompted us that we are not going to receive justice and for that matter. Hence the need for us to proceed to our peace court. Honestly, uh, previously, uh, let me say about a week for us to go for the verdict, the incumbent MP issued a committee that he is 100% convinced that 
the lawyer is going to rule in their favor. And for that matter, we went to court. And it was exactly so. His presentation was uh, 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 black and white. What he said was what was given to us by the court. And for that matter, we saw that there was something somewhere. And for that matter, we were denied. We, 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 we are seeking for justice. And that is why that is not our interest. Because, for instance, if I'm in I'm in Kumbet, a police station executive, and I'm coming for a form, and you tell me you sit in the party office and you tell me that uh, previous elections I voted for honourable Adenu, and for that matter you will not give me the form, then you are being biased. And on top of that, we had the issues that they they are going to steal the album to their side, and for that matter they're going to do it family and friends. And duly, duly, and truly, that is what happened in Mampong. So Mampong, when you come here, the issue is that when you vote for, or if the, 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 the delegates, those who were cleared by the court, that they are, they are, now, they are now legitimate as uh, delegates, go and choose Honorable Kokusa for Ampretum, then it means that they are not going to vote. So, our interest is to make sure that the party or the Mampo consistency party follow the due diligence and make sure that the right thing is being done. That's our interest. Very well. Thank you so much. And the right thing would be done when? Because uh, your election was supposed to come this Saturday. So for you, the election should not come off until the issues are sorted out. That is, that is why I'm saying we have appealed our case at Appeals Court. So not until we go for uh, for for us uh, for for uh, for, us, for us to go to Kumasi for the, the the three judges to decide whether or not the injunction is it's in right direction or whatsoever, we are going to still battle the case at court till we seek we we know that justice is being given, and that's our interest. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you very much, Omar Sanda. God bless you so much. God bless you too. That's Emmanuel Eje Sefa, uh, his spokesperson to some 35 disgruntled New Patriotic Party members in Asante Mampo in the Ashanti region who have obtained an injunction on the exercise. Let's hear now from the party in the constituency. Alhaji Malik Eje is the Asante, Asante Mampo constituency secretary of the NPP. Alhaji, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, sir. Um, how are you receiving this news? Have Have you first of all received the official documents from the court freezing your elections for this weekend? Yes, please. But in the first place, let me dispel this notion that Mr. Sifa has said that when Mampon people are saying that when Amplechum is voted, they are not going to vote. That is a figment of his own imagination. It is completely not based on any fact. It is out of malice. So I think we ignore that in the, all the contempt that it deserves. That is completely not the case. But as you have already said, you are seeking for justice. And I believe justice is not sought at the market, neither is it sought at the provision store. In Ghana, justice is sought at the court. So if you go to court and the court ruling comes, you still don't see it as justice. Then there is a fundamental problem with the way your definition of justice is. You took a matter to court. It lasted for a year and eight months. And the judge 
against its ruling, reason, uh, ruling, and the ruling did not go in your favor. The judge who gave the ruling left for, I think he was transferred. You went and sought for injunction. And another judge, because the first judge was called his lordship, Justice Apakubi. Then you went for an injunction at the same court, but in this case, it was Justice Sedu Douglas, who is a high court judge in Kumasi, who at the time was visiting the high court at Mampong, ruled the case again again and refused your injunction. So you come to tell the whole world that justice has not been sought. Master, tell me, where do we seek justice? Two high court justices have gone into the matter, and in either situation, your case has been thrown away. Fine. We have the avenue to go to appeals court, and you have gone to the appeals court. We are waiting to see the outcome of it. If indeed the first two judges aid, and you are going to have the ruling overturned at the appeals court, indeed, we don't have control over it. We live to see. But to say that you have been denied and whatever, all those allegations you were making is completely baseless. You went and told the same stories. We produced your people who were in the petition, who had gotten forms. We produced those forms to the court that this person, this person, this person who has filed a petition to this court that he did not get form. These are their forms. And we produce it in the law court. Some people, you went and made an allegation that when you brought your forms, you submitted your forms. Myself and the chairman, we tore the form. And the, uh, our lawyer asked for where the, the torn form. You could not produce even a form that a drop of water had fallen on it. So all that you went and said at the court, it was uh, pointing to the fact that you didn't have any case and it was thrown away. So where is he seeking for justice? When the matter came, it first went to our regional office. They adjudicated the matter and said that you have no case. We came back, you didn't get your, uh, you didn't organize yourself well. We went to the, rich, the national, where they had the National Arbitration Committee, headed by the former sanitation minister, Mama Cecilia Abenadaba. They sat on the case and ruled that you had no case. So in each uh, avenue you have gotten for the case to be sat on, it has been ruled against you. Where is the justice that has been denied or that has eluded you? Masa, that is the reality of the case. Was this ex parte? How come you didn't argue the issue on Saturday out in court so that you are allowed to proceed if you think that you had a very good case? Masa, you, you, you could discern from the way they go about their things, that they have a certain malicious intention, a certain planned agenda to protract the issue so that it will get to a time, maybe we have to have an, we have to have an ad hoc situation to get an MP to contest on the seat. Because you go to the court, the judge um, postponed the matter and they are jubilating. We, little did we know that from the defeats that they have suffered, they were going to go again and get an injunction to injunct the process. It can be read from their demeanor 
that they have decided to go a particular tangent just to delay the process. That is what, what all what I can say. It's a calculated attempt to delay the process to save their own homes and capitalism. Very well. Uh, thank you. We will see what happens. So your elections are not coming up on Saturday, correct? Uh, it's fantastic. That is what the directive that the general secretary has communicated to us. And as um, an apostle of the rule of law, we believe that the matter ought to be settled so that, um, like they are saying, so clearly it is not f- fantastic news for you. Uh, no, but then as a believer of uh, dem- democracy and a rule of law, you have very little to see. That's fine. You can only applaud the, 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 the justice system. We wish you all the that, best and that. thank you for speaking to us. That's Alaji Malik AJ. He's the Asante Mampong Constituency Secretary of the New Patriotic Party. Earlier, you heard Emmanuel AJ Sefa, who speaks for some 35 persons of the MPP stock, who went to court to injunct the primaries for this Saturday. Let's shift now to the NDC. Former President John Mahama was in Kumasi today, leading hundreds of NDC supporters on a walk in Kumasi to sensitize Ghanaians on his proposed 24-hour economy policy. The procession ended at the KTR market where he addressed the crowd. Let's listen to him. The 24-hour economy is not a new initiative. A lot of countries practice it. When we were younger, pharmacies and chemist shops were operating throughout the night. Fuel stations were not closing as well. At what point did all these end? Some shops and offices now close at 5 p.m. Why should the KJTR market be closed down when it can run 24 hours? The next NDC government will put in place measures to ensure shops and offices operate for 24 hours. So that's former President Mahama. He also talked about um, projects that have been abandoned in the Ashanti region and challenged the government to work at it. The new Patriotic Party's regional secretary for Ashanti is Aduma Pia. He's joining us on the line. Uh, Mr. Pia, uh, in a minute, uh, the former president says your government has neglected your own World Bank. What, what do you say to that? <laughs> it's laughable. Um, neglect. I, I don't think so. And 99% of Ashanti um, region residents will support my my argument that this particular government, Nanabu Dankwa, Mohamed Baumia administration, has never neglected Ashanti region. We've gained a lot from this government, and we are grateful to the government. Okay. He mentioned the Kumasi Central Market, which he started. Has it been completed or not? As we speak, truth is that it's not been completed. The second phase. After how many years since Mahama mm-hmm. left government? Today, let, let, let's gather the facts pieces by pieces. I know, but um, because we are just After dealing with... He, he, he spoke for just one minute, and I just wanted you also in one minute, because we have to wrap up. But he's saying he left no, no, seven no, no, years no, ago. No, he left a no, project under construction. No, you guys have I simply want, failed I to finish to it answer, up. I, 
I want to answer your question that after how many years? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you've been to Kumasi, and you've been to Kofanochi, for instance, there was a 44-year-old mother and child block for 44 good years. This block stood unattended to. When the Nadu wanted to complete it, the advisor came from Espes was that it cannot be renovated. It must be pulled down. 44-year-old block was pulled down. Let, let's focus so just on the Kumasi Central Market. It, why why has it not been completed? Me speaking to what is what will place him. Let me also speak to what will place me. For 44 years, how many years did NDC as a political party, PNDC, NDC, friends in government, 27 good years in government, a, a, a block of 44, a 44-year-old block stood unattended to, and it has been pulled down in this state, 600 bed block has been erected. It's, it led to some few uh, touches to complete. So if, you, if he is okay with a 44-year-old block, standing there for, for, for 44 good years, out of which he and his government spent 27 of them, it does a, a life ill Very in well. his mouth. A life ill in his mouth to come and tell the whole world that we have left a block. Okay. Just about what, let's what leave it. Let's let's we, leave it here we, then. We started the second phase. It was not. It was not President Mama who started the second phase. No problem. We started the second phase, and everybody's aware of the challenges this government has faced. Let, let's we leave it here. We have now turned the corner, and we are going to complete it. Let's leave it here. We'll, we'll have a, a longer debate later. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you, my brother. Aduma Pia is the Ashanti Regional Secretary of the New Patriotic Party. I am Umaru Sanda Amadu. I did this with Eno Safo. Production by Beverly London, Kobna Wilson, and Sami Wiafe. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. New media support from Daniel Abogre and Yoriga. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.